Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Global Storytime Podcast, where every two weeks, I bring you a folktale from a different country or culture so that we can get to know it better. I'm your host, Diane Strand. This week, we're going to Ireland. I chose Ireland as this episode's destination because St. Patrick's Day is just a few days away on the 17th. Do you celebrate St. Patrick's Day? Do you know why people all over the world celebrate St. Patrick's Day? If you think that we have memorialized St. Patrick, who is a real person, by the way, because he magically drove all the snakes out of Ireland, then I hate to say it, but you are wrong. There were never any snakes in Ireland, partially because it's an island. Anyways, St. Patrick is remembered and honored with his own day because he brought Catholicism to Ireland. And in 1607, the Catholic Church decreed that they should hold a feast on the anniversary of his death, which was on March 17th, in the year 461. So really, the quote-unquote snakes that he drove out were traditional Celtic pagan beliefs. And the reason that shamrocks are a part of the imagery of this holiday is because St. Patrick would use the three-leaf clover to explain the Holy Trinity of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. There's another myth that says people would traditionally wear green because it supposedly makes you invisible to leprechauns. I guess because maybe you would blend in with the green countryside? I don't really understand. But really the color green has been used to represent the country of Ireland on flags and emblems for hundreds of years. The last bit I want to share about this holiday is that it is celebrated all over the world, mostly because wherever there is an Irish community, there's some sort of celebration. Countries that I have found that celebrate St. Patrick's Day are Russia, Malta, Bosnia and Herzegovina, Switzerland, Lithuania, Japan, Korea, Malaysia, India, Montserrat, which is an island in the Caribbean, Canada, Mexico, Argentina, New Zealand, and Australia. So happy St. Patrick's Day to all who celebrate. Okay, now that we know more about St. Patrick's Day, let's learn more about Ireland. And as always, we're first going to look for Ireland on a map. Ireland is an island in Northwest Europe. The only border it shares is to the Northwest with Northern Ireland, which is a part of the United Kingdom. And I'll get into that whole history in a moment. To the West of Ireland is the Atlantic Ocean. To the East is the Irish Sea, and then England and to the south is the Celtic Sea. The capital is Dublin, and it is on the mid-east coast of the country. The size of Ireland is 32,500 miles squared, so it's a bit bigger than the state of Maine. And with a population of 4.9 million, it has about four times the population of the state of Maine. And now for a somewhat dense but short history of Ireland. The earliest known evidence of settlements where people were growing cereal crops and herding sheep and cattle dates back to 4000 BC. During the Iron Age, around 400 BC, small groups of Celtic people who originated in Central Europe began to settle on the island. This is when Celtic and Gaelic culture began to flourish. Now, before I started researching this, I didn't really know the difference between Gaelic and Celtic or if they were the same thing or what. But now I've learned that Celtic is the overarching culture and language family and that Gaelic is a subset of Celtic. Because the Celtics, way back when, settled throughout Europe 
and the ones that made it all the way to Ireland were called the Gales. So now we, you and I, know, and in the context of Ireland, I think you can use the terms interchangeably. If that's wrong and I'm still a little confused, please send me an email and let me know. Anyways, this is when the Druids lived in Ireland, who you may have heard of before. The Druids were the highly respected Celtic nobles who served as political advisors, religious leaders, healers, and storytellers all at the same time. After the Celts came the Catholics in 400 AD. Though Ireland was never a part of the Roman Empire, like Great Britain was, Roman British priests, like the aforementioned St. Patrick, began to move in and convert the pagan Celts to Catholicism. After the Catholics, the Vikings from Norway came, starting in 800 AD, and founded the settlement of Dublin. The kings of Ireland fought off any Norse control of the island, but the Norse did help introduce Ireland to international trade and helped the country grow economically. After the Vikings came the Normans in the 1200s, who were essentially the people from England. They helped Ireland develop the agriculture and build lots of castles. But many of them died out in the plague of 1348 because they tended to live close together in the cities, where the native Irish lived spread apart in the rural countryside. A few hundred years later, Henry VIII, then the King of England, decided to conquer Ireland and bring it under his control. During this time, most of Ireland was Catholic, while England had become Protestant. And as the story goes again and again throughout the world, the ruling class, so the Protestants in this case, were cruel and discriminatory towards the underclass, who were the Catholics. Laws were put in place that Catholicism was illegal and land was seized from thousands of people. By 1778, only 5% of the land in Ireland belonged to Catholics. In the 1800s, the laws began to relax and, partially inspired by the French Revolution, which probably opened the eyes of many rulers of what can happen when you subjugate people too much, the country of Ireland began to unify, but it was still under England's rule. Then, in 1844 to 1847, Ireland experienced the Great Famine. You may have heard about this before. A disease struck the potato crops that many people depended on, and England, who controlled Irish trade, forced the island to continue to export their wheat and dairy. Around 2 million people either emigrated to a new country or died. At the start of the 1900s, there became a growing movement of Irish nationalists who wanted to break away from England and become their own country. Unfortunately, not everyone on the island agreed, and those primarily in the north were Irish unionists who wanted to continue to be a part of Great Britain. This divide was not only in politics, but in religion as well, with the nationalists being majority Catholic and the unionists being majority Protestant. Attacks broke out between the two, and a war for independence followed. In 1922, the Free State of Ireland was declared, consisting of 26 counties, while the remaining six counties on the island became North Ireland and remained a part of Great Britain. The political and religious divide continued for decades and led to a lot of unrest called the Troubles in Northern Ireland during the 1960s through the late 1990s. In 1998, the Good Friday Agreement allowed for greater political representation for religious minorities, and the two sides have been peaceful ever since. 
Moving on to languages of Ireland, Ireland has two official languages. Irish is the first, even though it's only spoken by about 41% of people on the day-to-day. And the second official language is English, which is spoken by 99% of people in their day-to-day life. Northern Ireland, on the other hand, has no official language, but English is the de facto language, so the language most commonly spoken. And only 11% speak Irish in their day-to-day. And what is Irish? I must confess that I did not know that Irish was a language. And I thought that maybe Gaelic and Irish are the same thing, but they're not. They're both languages of the Celtic family, along with the Welsh language. But Gaelic is spoken in Scotland, and Irish and Gaelic are actually quite different. In Ireland, both English and Irish are taught in school at every grade level. There are two other minority languages, and they are Ulster Scots and Shelta, which are also both Celtic languages. The people who speak Shelta are a group of nomadic folks who are commonly called travelers, and they try to keep their language secret, and they will change up words or phrases for outsiders who try to learn it. I kind of love that for some reason. As for foreign languages in Ireland, French, German, and Spanish are the most common. Ireland also has its own version of sign language. Now for a quick look at religions in Ireland. As you might expect, given the history of the country, most people in Ireland are Catholic at 78%. 10% of people do not follow any type of religion, and 7% practice some sort of Christianity. Islam is the largest minority religion at 1.3%, and other religions like Hinduism, Judaism, and pagan beliefs make up about 2%. In Northern Ireland, 46% are Christian and 40% are Catholic, with 10% not following any religion. And of course, there are also some minority religions like Islam, Hinduism, Sikhism, and Judaism. Moving along to Ireland's national food. With St. Patrick's Day right around the corner, you may be getting ready to eat some corned beef and cabbage. But that is not Ireland's national food. Irish stew is. Irish stew is a thick and hearty dish of mutton, aka lamb, potatoes, and onions. The reason why corned beef and cabbage became the go-to dish for St. Patrick's Day was because corned beef and cabbage were relatively cheaper foods that poor Irish Americans could afford, and then it just kind of became synonymous with the holiday. The second to last thing I'll talk about is Ireland's national sport. It is Gaelic football. And it's similar to soccer, or regular football, as the rest of the world might call it. It is played with a ball that is slightly smaller and slightly heavier than a regular soccer ball. The goal looks like a regular soccer net, but it has two large poles sticking up on either side, like a field goal in rugby or in American football. Points are scored by either kicking the ball into the net for three points, or over the net and between the goalposts, for one point. As always, I like to end with a fun fact. The fun fact for this episode is that Ireland has won the Eurovision competition nine times, more than any other country. For the uninitiated, Eurovision is an annual song competition between 44 European countries, where one singer or group represents the entire country with an original song. This year's Eurovision competition will be held at the end of May, so we'll have to see if Ireland can pull off a 10th win.
And that is it for this episode of Let's Learn About Ireland. The one thing this podcast is making me realize is how little I actually know about different countries and cultures, even ones that I thought I knew, like Ireland. I hope you enjoy learning about the rest of the world as much as I do, and that you see these gaps in your knowledge as motivation to spark your own curiosity and find out more. If you haven't listened to the folktale Finn McCool, the giant of Nakmani Hill, that goes along with this episode, go give it a listen. It's episode 13a. Of course, if you want even more information about Ireland or any of the other countries or cultures that I highlight, follow the pod on Facebook or Instagram at Global Storytime Podcast. You can always email me at globalstorytimepodcast at gmail.com. If you learned something from this episode, then share a fact with a friend, or better yet, tell them about this podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I've been your host, Diane Strand. Until next time, bye. Bye.